Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. And we are back on the GM shuffle, and my man Lombardi still rocking his new setup right now. He needs to get a fedora and a trench coat. But if you're in Ocean City and trying to locate a mistress or any sort of <laughs> criminal malfeasance, he does still charge $200 plus expenses. Plus expenses. And I, this office is not on the beach near Malibu, although it's close to the beach, but I don't have the Jim Rockford program. I got to get that answer machine in here, though. I love that answer machine. And, you know, the thing that made the Rockford Files so good, I, I still watch it to this day, is that David Chase wrote it. I mean, that's the thing that's amazing. He wrote so many of those episodes. I like in the, I like in, I think it's, you know, they like early when, when Pussy's looking for the school teacher's car. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Pussy says, who the hell am I, Rockford here? You know, it's like one of the great, you know, it's so good. But, you know, I don't know if people realize this, but David Chase literally went over to Georgiana, somebody's house, I think the woman who created the Rockford Files, and he went to her house, and he saw ducks in the pool of her house, and he saw that she had built the ramp for the ducks. And being the creative genius that he is, he said, that, that probably would be good for my mobster. So he went ahead and did it. That's how he started the show. It's amazing, right? That's unreal, man. I love those behind-the-scenes stories. And you're right. Great writers like that, they find inspiration in all the craziest spots. Uh, speaking of inspiration, before we get rolling into the NFL topics, and of course, Andrew Luck's story is massive, we do want to say thank you to all of our listeners, including Travis Ramos, who emailed us at thegmshuffle at gmail.com, which you can all do. I have been after myself to compose this for a little while. I wanted to express my gratitude for what you guys do. I look forward to the show every week. I've been a lifelong fan of football, wanted to get deeper into it for years. Gridiron Genius changed that for me. I loved all the stories, especially the ones of Saban and Belichick. It's also made me look at work in a much different way. I'm a firm believer in culture, and I definitely see its importance. I really love that you guys have so many interests and you share them on the show. Lastly, I wanted to mention the best part. Thanks to the show, I don't have to feel weird about my Sopranos expertise obsession. You guys were the first people that I'd heard that love the Sopranos the way I do. Also know the show so well. Keep up the great work. Thanks for all you do. How about our man Travis, Mike? Coming in hot. I love Travis. Travis, if you have any trouble, if you're going through a problem here, you just call me. We'll talk Sopranos. There's always a <laughs> lesson to learn from what Tony does. And that's what made that show so good because if you, you know, if you ever want to write a series, which you probably could do, AD, you could write one by having the psychiatrist there. That that redirected the show in any direction. He the show never got stale because of her. And people got pissed off at her. But essentially, the show never got stale because of her. She was able to redirect the show in another direction. Who was your tell me? Who is your favorite character? You know, it's tough, man. Polly's got so many one-liners. I mean, Uncle Junior is great. I, I have to go with Christopher just because I thought Imperioli played him so well. Like that, yeah. The guy at heart is a drug addict and an abuser. And yet, as, as Imperioli told me once when I interviewed him on Cinephile, he goes, the one thing I really liked about Christopher, he's a hard worker. <laughs> he goes, say this for Chris. He gets a call at 3 a.m. Like he's busting his ass getting it done. He might be high as a kite, but he answers the call. When Ralphie's killed, who does Tony call? He calls Christopher, who's high, yeah. and he ends up disposing the body. Yeah, no doubt. No, he, he was committed to the cause. He was all in. That's truly the definition of all in. He might have been fucked up, but he was all in. There's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, like the one, like, I don't know if I, if the show would have ever been, like, I think they killed Pussy too early because I thought Pussy was a great character. But I think the whole reality of it is there's so many great, it's hard to pick just one great character in it. Like, who could I do without? 
you know, I just, it's too difficult for me. I, I don't know the bad guy. I mean, I love Ralphie as the bad guy. I thought he was so good. Richie Aprile as the bad guy was incredible. I mean, but I got to say, Mikey Palmese, you know. Underrated character. <laughs> really underrated character, you know. He told me he loved me. He told her to go take a off. <laughs> to take a off. Here, here, free alterations, Mikey, and he staples them. All right, let's go football. Let's talk about it. <laughs> all right, let's talk about football. And you mentioned how Christopher was all in. Well, Andrew Luck is now all out. And think about the pain that this guy endured as a quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts, seven years, torn cartilage in his ribs, a partially torn abdomen, a lacerated kidney, which had him peeing blood, a concussion, a partially torn labrum, and calf ankle injury, which was sustained this preseason. The, the, the reactions were unbelievable, Mike. Doug Gottlieb just buried him. Uh, Dan Dockage criticized him. Like, I know these guys from ESPN, so I know, listen, people are trying to make headlines and, and you know, uh, but Troy Aikman was furious. Aikman fired back at Gottlieb. Like, I feel like the consensus, most people was just shock and stunned, like, oh my God. And then it's like, hey man, nobody understands the grueling uh, transitions that these bodies go through and how much dedication it takes. If he wants to retire, best of luck, Godspeed, away you go. But people were yeah. angry. People were angry with their fantasy teams. Like, oh my God, how could you do this? You screwed me over. It was crazy. It really was. I mean, look, I look. I think he did him. I wrote about it in the Athletic, but I think he did a service to his teammates. You can't be frickin' Hamlet, right? You can't to be or not to be. Am I in? Am I out? You know, as Parcells always used to say, once you're thinking about retired, you're retired. You know, if you're if you're one of those guys who gets to 55 and can't wait to get to 60, you might as well just mail in the job because you really don't care anymore, right? And it's the same thing, like. And people said, well, you know, he should have, he should have told him in March. No, what time out? Maybe his body, he felt like his body was going to come around in March. Maybe he thought it was just going through the typical March doldrums. You know, when I'm at the Valley Forge Military Academy, they, they said to me the first day I got there, is this place ain't so bad until January? The, gen, the, 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 the dark ages get you, you know? And so March is like the dark ages for NFL players. All their bodies hurt, you know? I mean, you know, when I when I babysit Dominic and Leo, I, it takes me four moves to get in the ba- bed. My body aches, right? My body aches. You know, it's like four. I tell them it's like four maneuvers to get in the bed. You know, I used to slide in. Now you get older, it hurts more, right? So, like, give the guy a break. Like, give him a break on what's going on here. And I just think, to me, they they didn't do that, and and it's 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 ridiculous. And for, to criticize the guy for being honest, can you imagine this? I mean, he's honest. He can't do it anymore. He says he can't do it. Godlieb's comment in his tweet, he said that, you know, saying he doesn't, you know, work hard enough, that's like the epitome of being a millennial. And, and Dan Dawkins said, like, he's like, oh, he can't work hard. He's like, my ass. Like, I got, you know, friends who are cops and I got family who are firefighters. Like, that's hard work. This is not hard work. Which, it, no, it's fucking hard work. I mean, what's Dawkins talking about? He's sitting there doing college basketball. You know, I mean, that ain't hard work, what he's doing. I mean, you know, it's hard work to get your body ready, don't you think? I mean, you know, it's hard work for me to lose 10 pounds. And you don't think it's hard work for him to get his body ready? No, I, I'm with you. I'm like, listen, especially when you go over all those injuries, it's crazy how much how much this guy had to overcome. And your tweet, which I retweeted, was about the fact this is on Grigson. I mean, they'd never drafted an old oh lineman. The poor God. guy was shellacked every year. I mean, that's the guy. If you want to get pissed off at somebody, get pissed off at Ryan Grigson. He drafted three offensive linemen the whole time he was there. But I think the underlying current here, AD, I think what we do in this country is we go to the extremes. Wasn't that a Billy Joel strong song? We go to the extremes. That's right. Exactly. I go to extremes, yes. Right. We we have when Andrew Luck came out, I could still remember Charlie Castley was on NFL Network telling every he's the next John Elway. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, time out. 
that John Elway's in another category. Like what Alex Ferguson says about, you know, people have great moments, have world-class moments, and then they have world-class careers. Like, time out. And I used to keep a tape when I was in Cleveland, and I was in NFL Network. I would keep a reel of tape of all of Andrew Luck's drops interceptions. Not because I was trying to be a dick, not because I was trying to prove my point that he wasn't John Elway, just that, like, let's temper this a little bit. Like, let's just temper it. And people are all pissed off at this kid, you know, because he's not going to come back. Do you realize he played eight playoff games in his NFL career? He threw 12 touchdown passes and 13 interceptions in those eight games. He had a quarterback rating in those, he averaged 6.8 yards per attempt in those eight, in those eight playoff games. I mean, and then when you look at his over his career and you see his numbers, I mean, look, they're all great. He had the 40 touchdown pass year in, 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 uh, 2014, which he got shellacked by the Patriots in New England that year, got killed, right? But he's thrown, he threw 83 interceptions in his six year career. I mean, he averaged 2.5 percentage. Of, like, I think he's a really good player. Do I think he's John Elway? No. Do I think he's replaceable? It'll be challenging, but it, it it it's it's doable. You can do this. I mean, it's not like, oh my God, his overall career quarterback rating is an 89.5. Like, and, and I and I mean, look, Gregson pays a price for this because the stupidity of of how they built the team around them. But luck did make a lot of mistakes that you, people just seem to just forget. It's like they go to these extremes. Yeah, he wins comeback player of the year last year, overcoming all these injuries, throwing all those touchdown passes. The, the, the story I love about Andrew Luck, Peter King told it. He said he's never had a guy coming out of the draft. When he asked him his favorite hobby, Luck's response was reading. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Stanford guy, right? And how good is the guy who writes the, the Captain Andrew Luck tweets? How good is that guy? Can we in the Civil War? It's amazing. Can we do a thirty for thirty and find out who the hell this guy is? Like, you know, like Art Modell used to walk around the Cleveland Brown facility all the time and say, "I'll pay ten thousand dollars if anybody could tell me what Ernie Adams does." You know, like I think we should try to raise like a, a fund, go me fund, to find out who the hell the guy writing this stuff. It's so good. Like I think I've read that tweet, that dearest mom, <laughs> you know, I've soldiered the sword. I mean, like I couldn't. I mean, I'm thinking, how did he write this? Like as a writer, I'm trying to figure out how he did it. You know, it's incredible but i just think we've gotten carried away with andrew luck's greatness Look, he's a really good player he's a really good player not a hall but of famer it, obviously oh you, you're just gonna hit him but the way they're acting it's like he's a hall of famer i mean you're booing i mean like dan dockage come on give me a break dan look you know you've been around coach bob knight you think coach bob knight was gonna get you know like I, I, maybe he's going to throw a chair at Andrew. I don't know. But the reality of it is, is life goes on. The guy doesn't want to play. Isn't that a good thing to tell you? Yeah. Don't you want to know that? How about the fact the fans were booing? I, I did like that Luck was honest about it. He's like, yeah, I heard, I heard it and it hurt a little bit. Like, yeah, no kidding, man. Like, I, yeah. I, I sacrificed my life for you guys and you're booing me as I leave the stadium. Also, yeah. Ian Rappaport reported Indy will not recoup any of the $16.8 million that Luck owes the team. So in terms of the cap situation, can you illuminate for the listeners, what does this mean now if you're in the front office? How does this impact Indianapolis? So what happens is when you sign a contract with a team, say you sign a $100 million contract for five years, and you know that's, that's $20 million a year. And of that $20 million per year, 50 of it is guaranteed in a signing bonus, okay? So that signing bonus is prorated over the five years. So every year, it's, it's, it counts $10 million towards the cap. Even though you get it the day you sign the contract, if you retire or get suspended or just, you know, 
go become a, a, a private eye in Malibu, you got to pay the remaining portion back of the signing bonus per year. So in this case, if you retire after the first year, you owe, you would owe that team $40 million. The next year, you would owe them $30 million, 20, And then if you retired in your last year, this kid made a conscious decision to retire knowing he had to pay, I heard it was $24 million, maybe it's $16 million, I don't know the actual number, but he had to pay all this back. He made a decision outside of money. And I'm surely... I have to believe he was prepared to go in and pay the money back. And I think that the, I do think in talking to people at the Colts, I do think they were getting, they were getting frustrated with his lack of all in and his lack of not being able to fight through, not the pain, but he just never felt good, you know, and, and here's what we can as an executive ever determine. We can't determine how a player truly feels. Fans can't either. You know, when we sit there and put money on games, we don't know that the guy might be going through some problems at home. We don't know how much pain he actually has in his body. We're just counting on him like he's a stratomatic card and he's going to do exactly what we think he is, right? And I think that we don't know that as an executive. So I don't think Chris Ballard or anybody at the Colts really understood the pain. Because, A.D., when I watched him work out in the end zone before one of the preseason games, he didn't look that hurt to me. He really didn't. He looked like he was moving pretty good. I'm thinking there's no doubt he's going to play in the opener. But there was obviously something more to the meets the eye. And now the question becomes, what's Jacoby Brissett going to do? He has had 1,200 or so reps with the first-team offense. So here's what someone says, well, who cares about the preseason? Well, Brissett did get a lot of reps with yeah. these guys. I feel like the Colts, maybe they're a playoff team, maybe not. Would I feel a lot more secure about it if Luck was there? Yeah. But to your point, next man up. Is it inconceivable yeah. the Colts make the playoffs? No. But they might miss it as well. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. I, I think Frank Wright did the best thing. I think the first thing you got to do is, look, the, when, when Tom Brady got hurt, what people don't realize, the the Patriots had two quarterbacks coming in that day for a workout. I think Christopher Sims was one of them. And and Brady gets hurt in the game, and what Belichick does is basically refuses, sends both the two quarterbacks that were coming in for a workout, he sends them home. Now, why? He needs a quarterback. Why would he send him home? Well, for Belichick, he wanted to send a message to his team that, look, we got, we got the backup in Matt Castle. We don't, nobody's coming in. There's no reinforcements. This isn't the, we're not bringing in the third army to come behind us, right? I want to send a message to the team saying, we got to win with what we have. And I think Frank Wright did the right thing in his message to the team saying, look, you know, it's all about us. I, I would say that what I would, if I was Chris Ballard, I would have called a staff meeting after luck on, Okay, today's the day we mourn. Tomorrow morning when we come into work, I don't want to hear a goddamn talk about Andrew Luck. I don't want to hear anything about him for the rest. We'll honor him externally, internally. We ain't talking about the guy. We're talking about how we're going to win games. And then I don't think Frank Wright gets enough credit for what he did with Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles didn't play in the preseason the year he was in Philadelphia. He doesn't start until that giant game. He plays good. The next week against Oakland, hell, he played like crap. I'm thinking, well, the Eagles' magical season's over with because Nick Foles is Nick Foles from St. Louis. And then Reich and and Doug Peterson decide they figure out a way to utilize the skill set going back. Nobody in Philly wants to hear this, but go back to the Chip Kelly offense, and all of a sudden Foles starts to have success. I think that's what you got to do with Jacoby Brissett. You got to figure out what he does well and go from there. And Frank Reich's certainly a smart guy. He can figure it out. I'm with you. As far as a guy who's had a track record of success with a quarterback, Frank Reich will be that. AD, I think what he has to do is he has to run. What, what, where, why Jacoby Brissett is not a starting quarterback in the NFL is one reason. He doesn't have great anticipation. He's a little like Dwayne Haskins. He's very much like Dwayne Haskins. Got a great arm. He's a better athlete than Dwayne Haskins. He can run. He can throw it anywhere. He doesn't have great anticipation. He holds the ball. So what does that mean if you're an offensive coach? 
you got to run a bunch of play action passes. You got to run a bunch of stuff that separates the defense, that draws the defense in, separates and says, okay, we're throwing the ball here, or we're going to throw it to the flat. We're going to throw it here, or we're going to throw it to the curl. We're going, you know, you've got to basically give them a very quick boom, boom, and the ball's got to come out of your hand. It's got to come out of your hand. Now, what happens is when the game becomes a drop back game, like the Colt, like the Raiders, uh, like, excuse me, like the Patriots Rams game did, and then you got to rely on him to make the decisions. That's that's when it's going to get sketchy. Um, Jadivian Clowney, speaking of being sketchy, you're hearing the Texans don't want him because the Dolphins or Eagles get him. How about the way this guy's stock has dropped? I mean, you watch the college football season, you go, oh my God, this guy's going to be an animal terrorizing def- uh, opposing offenses. Instead, it's like, nah, maybe Miami yeah. or Philly can take him. Well, you know, I tweeted out last week that trade winds were blowing because I knew that there was teams interested in him and that, 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 that Miami was, I don't know, I didn't know it was Miami, but I knew a team was very interested in him and I knew a team was getting ready to go meet him. I got a tip from somebody close to the, the organization that said that. And so, you know, I tweeted that out. Now, of course, naturally, a team, now it comes out, I think Ian Rappaport reported that Miami met with him. Brian Flores spent time with him. Uh, Chris Greer knows the kid, had been with the kid, so he understands him. But I think what we saw here is I think Miami probably had a trade worked out with Houston. And then Clowney refused to sign the tender. Now, Clowney's involved, right? This isn't about Clowney wants to redo his contract first before he gets traded. He can't. He cannot do his contract. That's what makes firing the agent so ridiculous. I think the the reason he fired the agent was because he put the agent put together the deal with Miami. The agent orchestrated it, got Miami interested, arranged the meeting, arranged the sit-down, had the deal worked out. He's going to go to Miami, and the kid's like, I don't want to play in Miami. And I think that's why the agent got fired, because the agent didn't get fired because he can't do a contract. The agent got fired because he was trying to put him somewhere where he didn't want to go. He wants to go to Philly. He wants to go to Seattle. He wants to go to a contender. Now, he's got to sign the tender. The reason he's not signing the tender is once he signs the tender, he has no control over where he goes. He has no control. He, they could ship him to the New, New Zealand Blacks, and he's got to go. You know, I mean, that, there's there's no control. So that's why there's been a delay. I reported. You know, it's funny. People on Twitter are hilarious. You know, you reported this was going to go down 24, 48 hours. Well, you know what? If the Clowney would have would have assigned the tender, it probably would have gone down in 24, 48 hours. He just didn't sign. I who could have anticipated that he was against the deal, right? You know, it's like. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think my reporting was completely accurate. You know, he was trade winds were blowing. He just refused to sign. Now he's going to get traded. I've said all along, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle says the same thing. He's going to get traded. Now, whether Philly can work a deal, I think what's going to shock people and it's going to piss off Texan fans is how little they get back for him. I was going to say, here's what could really piss him off is if he goes to Philadelphia or Miami and rediscovers that high motor, which often happens, right? Guy gets traded, all of a sudden got something to prove, plays the best football of his career. And to your point, if you end up giving up a guy who you thought was a pretty good asset and not getting much in return, they're going to be irate. The reason you're not going to get much back is because you can't redo his contract. So you've got to wait until you have to wait until next year. Either you franchise him again or you redo his contract. And based on this guy's durability, based on this guy's knee, shoulders, and his body, I think that's a. I think that's a real. I think that's why Seattle or or Philly haven't jumped in and said, "Okay, great." They don't want. They'll pay, they'll take him. They'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll take him for sure. The problem is they don't want to redo the deal. The, the, one year, no problem. Five years, oh boy. That's why Bill O'Brien and, and Brian Gain got in a fight. Bill O'Brien wanted nothing to do with this kid. Crazy. Speaking of what nothing to do with the guy, Jay Gruden, the Redskins head coach, and Trent Williams will not be traded. Uh, what's the last you're hearing out of Washington, which is you and I both know, it seems like a constant mess. They, they're paid to lie. I mean, what did, the, what did Oliver North call us? He's a paid liar, right? You know, I mean, 
The Redskins are paid to lie. I mean, they just lie. Uh, I, and I'm not accusing Jay because I feel bad for Jay Gruden. I mean, understanding Jay Gruden, I feel bad for him because that's he's in a very tough situation. He's got an owner and he's got a general manager that have, don't, don't know anything about what's going on on the football field, but yet they're making decisions. Look, Trent Williams wants a new contract. Trent Williams doesn't want to play, pay for the Redskins, and the Redskins want to recoup what they feel like is a, a, the value for the player. So they want a one plus. They want you know a Gary Zimmerman type of deal. Well, you give up a Gary Zimmerman deal, plus you have to redo the contract. You end up losing twice. You cost you cash and it cost you assets. It doesn't make sense. You know, whereas Clowney, if you're Howie Roseman or if you're John Schneider, you can get Clowney on the discount route. You could probably get Clowney for a, you know a receiver, an offensive line, something it's fairly cheap. And then you, if, if you lose on the next year, you'll get a third round pick. So whereas this Trent Williams is, you got to give up money. And you got to give up a lot of draft picks to make the Redskins happy. I think it's more because it's hard to satisfy both parties in this case. So that remains to be seen. What we know is, is going to be easy money is betting advice with Michael Lombardi. All right. We're looking to help people out there make some money. So Mike is going to hook you up. Last year, you were talking about preseason, what you've learned so far. What would be your betting advice? As we're, the season's right around the corner here. I think this. I think that when you look at opening games, I think that if you go back the last two weeks, last two years, the, the road team, is effective on opening day. I think 2017, eight road teams won. And 2018, I think seven road teams won. So the roads, road teams have a real chance. And I think I would really study opening week, week one, I'd study weather. I'd study teams that have to go back and play in humidity that aren't used to it. Because I promise you, as even if you condition well, we opened up in 2014 season when I was with the Patriots. We opened up in Miami. Had I think we had a 24 to 10 lead at the half or 24 13. We wilted by the fourth quarter. It was we got our asses kicked, and we were a Super Bowl winning team that year. The weather really makes it, the weather. It's like summer flying, Ad. You know, people think summer flying is a piece of cake, right? You drive to the airport, nice day. You get to the airport, up oh, thunderstorms. You can't go, right? Winter is easy, right? You go to the airport, it's either snowing where you are, or you get they can go through. It's summer is the biggest pain in the ass in terms of travel with flights, right? And summer and heat and humidity is the biggest pain in the ass in terms of football teams. It goes hand in hand. And so if you don't understand the weather, you don't understand. Like Carolina has is hosting Los Angeles. Now, Los Angeles ain't paid in no heat and humidity. They'll wear down. They will wear down in the fourth quarter of that game. And I think that the fact is I would look for road teams, that, that I would look for home teams or road teams that you think have a chance to cover when they go on the when they go because most of these road teams that are going are, are severe underdogs. Yeah, I think that is pretty good advice because you're right. Oftentimes, you told us here before, but New England playing in Miami, you go, that's always a bad game for the Patriots. It's, it's horrible. It kills them. Yeah, you can't and you can't coach for humidity. You, once it's a little bit like once you've lost it, you, there's no you can't get fluids. You can't you know you can't take a pill. You know if you're cold, you can warm up, right? If you're hot, if you're hot and you lose all your electrolytes, it's hard to get them back at some point during the game. And if you don't have great depth, it's hard. The other thing is, I think there's such a you can teams can steal a win opening weekend. There's no tape to really like Arizona, the mayor of Munchkinland, my man Kyler Murray. Like, can he? He's playing at home against Detroit. Can he? They've showed nothing what they're really going to do. You know, could they steal a win from Detroit? Yeah, easily they could. By the way, 
my, my buddy Nick, who I work with, is a terrific guy. He told me he's a big Lions fan. He goes, hey, man, people are fired up at you in Lombardi. I'm like, why? He goes, Detroit Sports Talk Radio. You guys were crushing the Lions. And they're, they're, they're upset. I go, hey, I'm, just, I'm glad someone's listening to the GM shuffle. We oh, just call oh, it like it is, man. They're upset. Oh, we should counsel them. I mean, we used to get Giant fans upset all the time. I'll talk to them. I mean, I'm sorry. The Lions are really good. I apologize. You know, they're playing. They look good. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. You know, Everything's fine. It's all going to be fine. It's you're going to you're going to win 12, 13. You might win 14 games. Don't worry. It's I mean, all good. 14-2 season right now. Yeah, I, I could see great. it. I mean, I could see it. It looks perfect. I mean, you know, that offensive line is great. The the quarterback's not hurt. He's healthy. Got great receivers. You got you know, you have a corner. Justin Coleman's going to go to the Pro Bowl this year. It's it's all fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Speaking of the number 14, some talk being floated around about a 14-team playoff. So we know, listen, the league would like to get rid of one or two preseason games, maybe extend the regular season and maybe if that happens you get more teams in the playoffs so my first thought is Mike I like the fact that you know in basketball and hockey it's a lot right you get more than half the teams make the playoffs 16 in baseball I love the fact it's only 10 of 30 a third of the teams so football's 12 of 30 I'm like all right still it feels like it's not too many like basketball or hockey I like how selective baseball is 14 team playoff now you're edging towards you know, almost half of the teams make the playoffs. So my first thought is I'm not crazy about that. What's your view on that? Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I mean, to me, uh, you know, I think we – I mean, show me how many times a sixth or fifth seed have really gone on. Like, are we really increasing the quality of the games or are we just getting more games? I think that's the fundamental question to ask. Are we? Just, if we're just getting more games, I'd rather have more regular season games than more playoff games, right? Are we increasing the quality of the games? Is a sixth seed always going to the Final Four – is a five seed always going? Typically not. I mean, I think it's one of those cases where the more they have to play, the less effective they become. And some teams get hot and go. But for the most part, I, I don't know. I don't want more bad games. I want more good games. And just because you put the word playoff around it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good game. I mean, how many times have we watched Houston in the playoff the last two years? And basically, you know, I, I go in the kitchen and start helping Millie cook at halftime. I mean, because it's so freaking boring. You always know that's going to be the Saturday 435 game. Like, oh, Houston, yeah, nobody cares yeah, they, about that game. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're guy. just going to tease you into this thing, you know, I mean, because it's going to be boring as hell, you know. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. I'd, I I would rather have quality games than than more games. Yeah, I'm with you. I want quality over quantity. Speaking of quality, not getting a ton of it in Hard Knocks, episode four, you get more John Gruden. The, the best, the best sequence is where he's knocking on wood. And knock on wood if you're with me. And you just see this. It's like five minutes of a knocking montage just to show that everybody's a bunch of robots. But you were particularly taken with Matt Lafleur. Yeah, I mean, I just I, did. You get any? Did you get a sense that he had any conviction about anything? <laughs> Not really. I think he looked as. I mean, I love. I, I got to give Gruden credit. Gruden's like, look, we're up here. We might as well play the freaking game, right? We might as well play the goddamn game. Where we came all the way up here for what? We're not going to go home. Right. We're not going to cancel the game. Lafleur would have been. Ah, oh, it's fine. You know, here's the thing. I don't understand. It, you know, and they said it on Hard Knocks. I mean, the, the the it was the Packers doctors that you know the league. In fairness to the league office, the league office was up there. On Thursday, they okayed the field. The the Raiders okayed the field. Everybody okayed the field except for the the team doctors. And then I like Mark Murphy going over there looking at it like all of a sudden he's a groundskeeper. He's you know <laughs> not only do I run the Packers, I can look at this field and tell you whether it's good or not. Like that would be <laughs> like me fun. being out there looking at the oh yeah this looks perfectly you know. I mean you know to me I got I got no I I could see how Matt Lafleur got the job because he was going to say whatever he wanted you know it, it's fine you want to do that good we'll do that like. 
I thought Gruden was like, you could see he was more of the leader in the group there. I mean, come on. You know, I want, I want, if you want, don't you want your head coach to have a little bit of juice to him? Yeah, I would think so, especially because, listen, preseason counts for something. I mean, there's a reason. You're kind of about to cut guys down to 53. Like, we can say how it's boring for fans, but there is some purpose to it. And you fly these guys all the way to Canada. They're there yeah. in Winnipeg. I mean, let's go. Let's figure something out. You, you realize that they, the Raiders did them a huge favor? I mean, the Raiders basically could have played the game in Oakland. They went and did the game in Winnipeg. That's only an hour and a half flight from Green Bay, right? So the Packers basically had one of the shorter flights of the year. They could have spent four and a half hours in an airplane flying to Oakland and had time zone differences. Instead, they got a benefit of the doubt. I mean, I I think to me, you know, like to me, that lack of days ago, that's going to show up on your team. I know Packer fans are going to get mad, but that's going to show up on your team. Like, I got to see a little bit more urgency out of the guy. I can't wait for Thursday night. What do we got? Today's Wednesday. We got eight days, and we're going to get it. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's do some quick hitter news here before we get to the mailbag. Case Keenum over Dwayne Haskins for the Redskins. No surprise here? No, no surprise. But, I mean, let's face it. You don't have a quarterback. I mean, Colt McCoy is still, you know, he's still injured. You don't have a quarterback. As John Madden said, when you have a lot of something, you have nothing. So, Haskins is not even close to being ready. If they put Haskins behind that line, it's going to get ugly. Packers release Josh Jones. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what we're going to start to see is some of the Packers' personnel decisions. The great Vince Lombardi, no, no, not the coach, my cousin Vince Lombardi, who lives in Ocean City. <laughs> Which is, is an often asked question. People want to know, hey, what's the connection with Michael and Vince? None, what do you mean, his cousin? None. Yeah. But I do have a, I am related to a Vince Lombardi from Ocean City, and, and he's anti, and he's a Packer fan. He is a diehard Packer fan. And he's been bitching about their drafts for too long to me. And, and this is just a residue of that. I think that's pretty clear. Crabtree to Arizona. I mean, really, I, I mean, Michael Crabtree, inconsistent hands, not a great route runner. Is he going to learn what to do? I'm worried about this Arizona offense. I watched their offensive line against Minnesota. You know, now I thought that Murray looked much better, you know, at times. But, you know, do you know, realize people, Murray scrambled. Murray ran a bootleg and got a ball batted down on a bootleg. He got a ball batted down a boot. I mean, <laughs> all in open the, space. You still can't find the guy. Well, yeah. he had curse out there. That big six four kid from I think he's from Clemson, right? Big safety, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when when the mayor when the mayor threw the ball, uh, you know, Kirsch just jumped up and batted it down. I mean, like like the guy's little out there. Like I when I saw Flutie play, tell me you didn't think Flutie was little when he played. Oh my god, are you kidding? Yeah, in the CFL, I was like, he looks so small. And then the NFL, like, how's this guy going to win? It was amazing. Th- don't you think that with Murray? Don't you think he just looks so small? Yeah, I, I just keep thinking like the, the amount of people who are just seduced by him and like Cliff Kingsbury. They're like they just Cliff King, he just look, he's such a good looking guy. Oh, he's offensive genius. I'm like, yeah, but his team's never won. Like, why do you think like, he never had any success with Texas? They're always like a 500 team, great offense, zero defense. Like, I hope their D coordinators are like going to be unbelievable in Arizona. Like, they better. Yeah, step but we it know up. it's Vance Joseph, so there goes unbelievable right out the window. <laughs> On that note, let's open up the mailbag and see what people are saying. As always, you can hit us up. Uh, appreciate all of your thoughts. Um, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. This one here is from uh, Mike saying, Matt Stewart here from San Marcos, Texas. We're having a family argument here. You're the only one who can solve it. Is oh, Jimmy it. Johnson a Hall of Famer? Yeah, damn right Jimmy Johnson's a Hall of Famer. I mean, goddamn right he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, what's the joke? I mean, I don't understand it. Right. Guy won multiple Super Bowls. He was a great coach in college. He got multiple Super Bowl wins and he's not in the Hall of Fame? Are you kidding me? We've just put Pat Bowlin in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, we put some of these owners in the Hall. I mean, yeah, it's an injustice to Jimmy. I mean, first of all, he built the culture that became the Dallas Cowboys. He rebuilt the culture. He made one of the greatest trades, the Herschel Walker trade. He won Super Bowls. I mean, the guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But here's what happens. Here's what happens to a lot of people in their careers. They, the la- People only remember the last place they went to. They, that's what happened to Hank Stram. That's what took him so long to get in the Hall of Fame. People only remember the last place. The hammer went down to uh, New Orleans and couldn't win, and that was a problem. 
Yeah, as you're right. It's, it's what we were talking about before with Donovan McNabb. You got people remember the ending. They don't remember the focus and the, the highlights as well. Uh, this is from Zach Henkel of Orange, California. I just listened to Lombardi talk about the possibility of referees calling more holding penalties this coming season. It brought up a question that I've always wanted to pose. Why is holding, which seems to happen on every play, or at least could be called on every play, a 10-yard penalty? Has there ever been a push to make it a 5-yard penalty instead? And if it were, how do you think it would impact the game? To me, it always seemed unduly harsh that a holding call makes first and 10 a first and 20 or a third and five and a third and 15 when in my mind it seems to be on the level of an offside or a false start call anxious to hear your respective opinions on this well i think the if you get away with holding the the risk could far if it's not 10 yards the risk could far outweigh a five yarder you know you take that risk because if you breaks it and you go through it now they're nitpicking and calling it and this is going to get settled down sometime in september but i'm telling you as a week one better the unders, I would look at those unders really closely because these these holding calls are going to go into the season. I mean, I can't watch a tape now without without multiple holding calls, and I don't see teams adjusting to it. So I think the reason it's ten yards is because if if you hold and you get away with it and it becomes a big play, there's going to be more urgency to want to keep trying to do it. Whereas if the penalty's severe, you'll try not less to do it. I think that's what it is. It's a little bit like you know we believe the death penalty will stop murders, but it really doesn't. You know, right. so yeah, yeah, that's a true. whole other it debate. Is. Uh, here's one here, a general book recommended. Vincent from Belfast in Ireland. I've been a fan of yours for quite some time. I love the book, the podcast, also the Daily Coach. By the way, check out the Daily Coach on Twitter. Mike doing a great job there dispensing wisdom. What I love most, though, is your insatiable desire to learn slash read more. What are your top five book recommendations? They do not have to be NFL or sport related. Top five for a guy like you is going to be hard. No, well, I, this would be my. T- I mean, I think about my top five. If I was on a, de- if if Millie and I got shipwrecked on a desert island, and I can only bring five books with me, right? The first one is going to be first in his class. It's about Bill Clinton. Whatever you think of politics, David Marinus is first in this class. is one of the greatest books of all. Marinus is unreal. He wrote the Lombardi book. He wrote the Lombardi book, which I and he wrote another book called When Pride Still Mat. He wrote another book, They'll March yep. in the Sunlight, which was brilliant about the Vietnam conflict and the and the Dow Chemical thing. That was incredible. But I would I would take first in his class. I would nobody's fool and widow for one year. John Irving and and uh, those two novels. I think those two guys would read their laundry list. And then uh, Salinger. I just read the Salinger book by Shane Salerno. I think that's an incredible book. And then any, and then, and then the last one would be every Robert Caro book. I know that's more than five, but every Robert Caro book. <laughs> Nobody's full. Good movie, by the way. Adaptation with Paul Newman. It came out in 1994. Remember that very well. It, it's one of my favorite movies of uh, Sully is such a great character, and 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 the whole town is is good. Hades Diner, like that to me is small town USA, and it, the stories. A grandfather who doesn't really have a relationship with his grandkids. Melanie Griffiths. I mean, there's some great stars. Bruce Willis is in there. Mm-hmm. There's some. I mean, I mean, it, it's a it to me, and 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 I could watch anything with Paul. Paul yeah. Newman is the greatest of all time. I was gonna say it's a great Latter Day Newman film. Tell me more about the Salinger book. What, how how strange was this guy? He writes the, he writes one of the greatest books of all time, and then he's a recluse. Yeah, what people don't realize about J.D. Salinger, he was part of the Normandy invasion, and he had parts of the. The reason I became fascinated with Salinger is because of Valley Forge Military Academy, because I went to Valley Forge, and so did J.D. Salinger. And so there was a kindred spirit there. Not that I could write like Salinger, but I felt that. And then he he was part of the Normandy invasion. He was also part of the Hurricane Forest, and he was carrying part of the the the, the novel The Catcher in the Rye in his backpack while he was part of this invasion. He was he was intelligence agents for the war. And what happened to him? He was Army intelligence, and he loved this woman Ona O'Neill. She was a beautiful actress. Uh, 
and he was fell madly in love with her, and he went away to war, and Charlie Chaplin stole her away and broke his heart forever, and literally broke his heart forever. And so he's got that, and then he's over in the war. He met, He's a Jewish man who meets a German spy, and she basically kind of dissolved herself from the German, what was the German uh, spy rings? Uh, what did they call them? Not the, I have the Luftwaffe, that was the Air Force. But anyway, she basically had a, got to manipulate around. He marries her and brings her back to the United States. He's a Jewish man, brings this German woman back, denies that she was part of the German Secret Service or whatever it was, and then he ends up doing that. It's a fascinating book. It's unbelievable. It's just so much about the guy that's fascinating. And the fact that he wrote from, I think, 1968, he wrote every single day until the until almost the day he died, and all that stuff's going to come out in 2020. However, that being said, every editor, his editor was not allowed to change a comma, He's not allowed to change a period. He's not allowed to change spelling of any of the things he wrote. That's all in his will. I remember my buddy Mike Kiss, when we were in college, we read Catcher in the Rye. His favorite line was, it was raining like a bastard. (laughs) (laughs) How good. (laughs) Every time it rains heavily, I just text her, hey, it was raining raining like like a bastard. bastard. (laughs) As always, send us your questions at gmshuffle at gmail.com. Like I said, man, eight more days. And we are going to start doing... I was going to say, you know, in the NFL, used to do two a days. We're doing two a weeks. That's coming soon. Once the season starts, a lot more of me and Mike. We can't wait. This was fun, pal. We'll talk soon. Thanks, AD. 